This is the Music Therapy Chronicles podcast interview with the team from the Creative Dementia Collective. So, you know, we got to start now. We got to start shifting that, you know, positive care culture towards, you know, self-care is um, uh, is a critical tool to have in your care partner toolkit. So, yeah. yeah. And I would add to that, like, the the fear and and what what the internal dialogue of I can't I can't stop to take care of myself because then I'm a failure as a caregiver but the other option to that is but then you will burn out 100% you will burn out and when you do you could cause harm right mm-hmm. so it's this self-fulfilling prophecy you either stop ahead of time and fill your cup before you reach that burnout or your body will burn out and force you to and and sometimes that can be really painful and you can cause harm when you're doing that by not listening to yourself and and going beyond your your emotional bandwidth right and so not only are we talking about the challenges here but like we do also talk about solutions. We do also talk about resources and ways to integrate this into your lives and um, and and how to find moments, right? You're listening to the Music Therapy Chronicles, a podcast about music therapy from a variety of perspectives. Our ambition is to inspire and connect listeners through meaningful conversations, just like a music therapy conference you can listen to anywhere. My name is Trisha Coyote, and I am a board-certified music therapist from the New England region. If you like what you hear, join our group on Facebook and share your own insights and thoughts about the episodes. You can also connect with us on social media and online at Music Therapy Chronicles. Welcome back to the Music Therapy Chronicles. I hope that you are excited for part three of my conversation with Kaylee, JL, and Erin from the Creative Dementia Collective. This was such a good conversation, and if you've listened to parts one and two, you know that already. If you haven't listened to parts one and two, go back and check those out and then come back to this one. Uh, Today, we're diving into self-care, especially as care partners. Um, as to use the language from um, this conversation, uh, the importance of self-care, which we talk about a lot, but uh, there were some really, really great points made in this conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. Thank you so much for clicking on today's episode. Please leave us a rating. Those really help the show and subscribe so you don't miss any more awesome content. Um, If you missed my announcement last week, I'll tell you again, I will be taking the month of August off, so you can still expect an episode each week. I will be re-releasing four episodes in the month of August. There are over 100 to pick from, so yeah, it'll be a little surprise to see who's who's uh, on the pod. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'll be taking the month of August off in an effort to to practice some self-care. I guess this is a great note to, to take this break on. Um, and also just to, to rest and restore. And um, this is something that I've been craving for a long time. And so this is the time I have blocked off to do it and how I've decided to do it. So thank you for your support each week. I hope you enjoy listening to the re-releases if you haven't heard those conversations already and re-listening to them uh, if you have because there's always something new to learn. If you want to uh, stay up to date, I'll probably still be active on social media in August. So you can follow us at Music Therapy Chronicles and jump on our newsletter at musictherapychronicles.com. Newsletter subscribers get an exclusive self-care episode and download, uh, as well as some content once a month, sneak peeks, all that good stuff. I do not flood your inbox with emails. I am not a fan of that, so I don't do that. Um but I do share what's on my mind and heart on, in the newsletter and uh, like to like to put some tangible items and stuff in there. So yeah, that's that. So I hope you're ready for an awesome self-care conversation with uh, Kaylee, JL, and Erin from the Creative Dementia Collective. I think 
I think self-care. I think, you know, we should talk about that to mm. close out. Don't you think? Yeah. JL, I'm going to, I'm going to toss the baton to you. <laughs> All right. I just virtually caught the baton. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, a, a huge part of what we do um, uh, through our work and, and especially with the care partners um, is talk about self-care and the importance of that. And self-care has become such a, like a buzzword, especially over the last year, um, that we're not talking about it from a, you know, take a bubble bath, go to the spa, you know, have a yoga retreat kind of self-care. I mean, if you want to do that, amazing. But self-care is a whole person um topic, right? It is sometimes self-care is saying no, uh, when people ask you if you are free for plans and you are free, but you are exhausted and you say, no, that is self-care, right? Sometimes self-care is engaging in a spiritual practice. Sometimes self-care is engaging in movement. Sometimes it is doing a hobby. Um, it can look a million different ways, but going back to kind of what I talked about earlier of you know, just because you love someone really hard doesn't mean that you can do this job alone. Um, and the same that, you know, self-care speaks to that of, you know, you, we are only able to care for people or to give energy to people to the extent that we care for and give energy to ourselves. And any therapist, you know, a lot of us know that and are not great <laughs> at doing that, but we all wholeheartedly agree that that's important. Um, <laughs> Yes. Um, <laughs> there's right. a lot of nods of recognition happening. Yeah. Here. <laughs> there's like three out of four yeah, the of people are sitting in their cars. Like, yes. uh -huh. That one. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, another, you know, we can, I think we can all agree self care is important, right? Taking care of ourselves is an important element. But there's this kind of these undercurrents as to the big why of why it's such a foundational pillar of the work that we do in the Creative Dementia Collective. And again, we're, we're kind of pushing back on a stigma in this, in this zone as well of a lot of people who are currently care partners, especially at home care partners, are either the children of people living with dementia or the spouses of people living with dementia. And the reason why, you know, we claim our, our millennial identity in our work is because we are the next generation that is going to be caring for mm. our parents or our spouses. And we haven't, it, it hasn't trickled down into our language as much yet. And so the people that we're talking to, especially when we do like our self-care for care partners webinar, or we're, we're lecturing about self-care, they are to generally that I would say that population and correct me if you think I'm wrong, Kaylee and Aaron, but you know, um, middle age 50 and over women that are these care partners for the most part. And there is such a stigma. I mean, it, it is so intersectional, right? Like, especially women as um, these endless sources of empathy and care and, um, you know, this expectation that we show up and we give and we give and we give and we put everyone's needs before our own, like that's a feminist issue. Mm -hmm. There's also an intersectional race issue, right? Of that um, a lot of people who are professional care partners are women of color and that that expectation of women of color providing uh, physical labor and emotional labor simultaneously and having to work multiple jobs often. Um, it, it's not just as easy as saying, you need to take the time to do self-care. It's like a systemic thing of, your life is structured in a way that does not have space for you to care for yourself in the way that is adequate, right? And so that's one element of what we're trying to do is talk about the system and why it is the way that it is. But also when we lecture to older, mostly, you know, our audience um, in this population is generally like older white women um, and how the internalized messaging from the 50s and 60s, um, especially from their parents of the woman does the domestic labor and is the caretaker and if you take time for yourself you're being selfish and how just oh my gosh it's almost an expletive to say I'm being selfish that's the worst thing a woman could possibly be I'm saying that with deep sarcasm <laughs> in case it didn't come across in my voice right 
Um, but there is this expectation just, oh my gosh, it's, it's brutal. The pressure that in general, um, you know, people who do domestic work are under, um, to put everyone's needs before their own. And I always give the example to my clients of there is a big important reason why when you're on an airplane, they tell you to put your own oxygen mask on before you put the oxygen mask on to the person who needs assistance next to you. Because if you run out of oxygen and you keel over, they're not going to have oxygen either. And it's the exact same thing in being a care partner of if you don't have oxygen and you're keeling over because you, you can't breathe, um, the person that you're you know, partnering in care with is not going to get their care accomplished either. And that, you know, takes care of the whole purpose of what you're trying to do. Right. Mm. Um, so that's, that's why we have such a focus on self care. And it really is an important element of if you want to do um, your best work, you want to show up as fully as possible as a care partner. The first priority is you and getting your needs met so that you can fully show up for someone else. Um, and especially I think as therapists, um, we struggle with that. I will say I struggle with that of um, being in a, 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 a industry of being of service to other people. It can feel very difficult to say, no, or set a boundary or say, I need this, or I can't do this. Um, and we try to kind of use our experience of being, you know, I don't think Kara, uh, Kaylee or Aaron would fight me on this, but like, we're pretty highly perfectionistic people pleasers as a, as a group. Um, um, and <laughs> not to call us out, but calling out, um, you know, and so I think we, you know, but that gives us a really great advantage of we can speak heartily from our first person experience of like, we know what that feels like. And we know how torturous it can feel to have to put ourselves first when you feel like you should be giving everything to someone else. And we try to help other people find that in themselves as well. Yeah. Oh, man, I had something that I was going to add on to that. Um, and then you like, totally called us out in the most Sorry. real way. No. A bit exposed. So facts, people. Yeah. Facts. Um, yeah, no, it's funny. I always liken it to, you know, I, I do my little workout routine at home, you know, where it's like a seven day a week thing and every day is different. There's like the heavy hitting day and then the lift, heavy lifting day and then the cardio day. And then there's always like the kind of rest, day, like the yoga day, mm. you know, and they're always taught. She's always talking. She's like, all right, people, for all of you, you know, heavy lifters out there, you only want to hit hard. Like this day is not optional. You mm. have to do this day, too. It's part of your rest and restoration. It is part of it to have all the other things integrate and set in. You have to. So, you know, <laughs> I'd, I'd extend that same message to, you know, any care partners listening, um, you know, who are like, nah, I'm going to skip that part. Like, no, you don't skip that day. That is not the optional day as part of, you know, your care plan that is built right in. Um, you know, right now it's what, like one out of five families in the U S are somehow touched by dementia. Um, you know, four out of five of those are going to fall apart. One out of those five families are going to come together and they're going to support each other. And, you know, if we're looking ahead, you know, not even 20 years out, um, you know, I think by like 2034, that number is going to go up to, you know, half one out of one out of two families in the U S are going to be touched by dementia. So, you know, we got to start now, we got to start shifting that, you know, positive care culture towards, you know, self-care is, um, uh, is a critical tool to have in your care partner toolkit. So, yeah. yeah. And I would add to that, like the, the fear and, and what, what the internal dialogue of, I can't, I can't stop to take care of myself because then I'm a failure as a caregiver. Mm -hmm. But the other option to that is, but then you will burn out 100%. You will burn out. And when you do, you could cause harm, right? Mm -hmm. So it's this self-fulfilling prophecy. You either stop ahead of time and fill your cup before you reach that burnout or your body will burn out and force you to. Mm -hmm. and, and sometimes that can be really painful and you can cause harm when you're doing that by not listening to yourself and, and going beyond your, your emotional bandwidth. Right. And yeah. so not only are we talking about the challenges here, but like 
we do also talk about solutions. We do also talk about resources and ways to integrate this into your lives and, um, and, and how to find moments, right? Like when we're, when you're, when we're young and single and childless, there's all sorts of time in the day. And then as you are caring for somebody, the time that you have to yourself shrinks a lot. So it's about being intentional with that time. Mm. Um, it's about uh, combating, have you heard of revenge bedtime procrastination? No. If you have not heard of it, it's- I'm aggressively real, but I think I do it. (laughs) What it is, is particularly people who are um, in service to others most of their day will stay up later than they should because it's the only time they have to themselves. Mm. And then they end up in this cycle of being exhausted, right? Because they have to- steal that time because they don't make it anywhere else. So mm-hmm. the first skill and tool is to actually schedule it in. I learned the hard way, like during this pandemic, I didn't really need to schedule in me time. And turns out as things are picking up and opening up, oh crap, I actually really do have to pencil that in or it's going to disappear. Mm-hmm. Other people are going to need my time and I'm going to have a hard time saying mm-hmm. no. So unless I make that time sacred, it's not going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So schedule it in, make it, make it a priority, set an alarm, put it on the calendar, you know, tell the people who care about you to help you protect that time and make it sacred and then be intentional with that time. Don't just mindlessly scroll because you're not actually filling your cup. You're just numbing, Mm -hmm. right? You want to do something that is fulfilling to you and whether that is meditation, um, music or art, uh, exercise, socializing, right? Introvert, extrovert, some people who are extroverts find that socialization piece uh, really fulfilling. Introverts might find that more draining and enjoy the alone time, whether it's watching um, horror movies. I have a friend whose boyfriend is out of town and she's like, yay, I finally get to watch a bunch of horror movies. Like whatever that is to you, you find that time, schedule it in, make sure that you have people who are supporting you in honoring that time, keeping it sacred, and then being intentional with that time and finding things that really do fill your cup, make Mm. you feel um, fulfilled, make you feel uh, separate from your identity as a caregiver and, and, and in touch with your identity as insert name here, right? Like I'm Kaylee, I am a caregiver for my father. I'm a care partner. I am a spouse. Um, I am, I'm a, a business partner. Those are all things I am. But in my care time, in my self-care time, I am Kaylee. Mm. And what does that mean? How does it look Mm. to honor who I am regardless of and not identified by my relation to others, but just my relation to self, right? Mm. That's the self part of the self-care. It's about honoring who I am and finding those those things and activities that really make me feel fulfilled and recharged. And it can be five minutes. It can be a morning. It can be, you know, if you're feeling really burnt out, like a weekend getaway where you arrange for somebody else to step into your role and you really recharge. But it, those things are essential is scheduling it and really being intentional with that time. For uh, the listeners, I'll just piggyback off that. Uh, if you sign up for my newsletter, you you get um, an exclusive self-care episode and a downloadable. That's basically what you talked about. Like it's, it's a worksheet yeah. basically of how to do that, how to decide yeah. those things and how to fit them in your schedule. Uh, and then the episode is talking about that and then how I have done that. So if anyone's That's like so wanting helpful. to dive into that, yes. sign up for the newsletter. I'm glad you have that resource. That's Because <laughs> it, 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 just saying self-care as a buzzword like, okay, but how do I do it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And how to think from all those kind of different domains of wellness too, the ones mm-hmm. that like don't occur to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yay. I Yay for that. providing resources. <laughs> Thanks. Awesome. Well, we've, we've gone a lot of ways. I want to be cognizant of everyone's time. Yeah. Um, I usually do rapid fires at the end. So if you, okay, we're down for that. We're, I'm yeah, sure. Lots of nonverbal gestures for uh, for the listeners here. Uh, but if there's anything else, you guys, that's on your heart, on your mind that you want to touch on first, I, I scheduled a big block for this interview because I thought it, I knew it was going to be a good one. So. <laughs> I'm free. Yeah, we're good. We're good. Yeah, let's get we'll, excited we'll, about we'll the rapid fire. Try to be yeah. more concise. <laughs> yeah, okay. 
if you if your listeners have learned anything about us thus far, it's that we really have a hard time speaking at length about this thing that we care a lot about. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I don't feel the passion at all. This was not engaging. I like. I might even just scrap this audio. Yeah. Please. Again, yeah. deep, deep sarcasm. <laughs> yeah, just dripping. Oh, beautiful. No, I love I love hearing about people's passions. Um, and it always makes me I've said this before, it makes me want to drop what I'm doing and just like do whatever you're doing. I'm like, wow, this is so cool. I'm, just gonna, like, I'm joining the Creative Dementia Collective. You can't stop me. <laughs> so you you all speak um, very, very passionately. You're um, engaging and inspiring. So uh, I know the listeners are going to get so much out of this. And yeah. Yeah. All right, hit us with the rapid fire. All right, first question. Coffee or tea? Tea. Coffee. Coffee. Cur- currently. Everyone holds up their <laughs> mugs. Yeah. Tea. I love tea. I'll tell you why. My mother uh, was a night shift nurse my entire life and became addicted to caffeine mm. as a necessity. And I saw the migraines and, and the symptoms of with caffeine withdrawal and early on, I was like, mm, no, thanks. I'm going to stick to tea. Thank you very much. And I did it like I had zero period in uh, high school where I started really early. I've had late night gigs. I just, I refuse to. So that's my, that's my own thing. It's like, I don't, I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to be addicted to caffeine, please. Yeah. I've yet to reach that level of enlightenment. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. We I am on it. I'm unashamedly addicted to caffeine and just nothing feels better than that smack in the face of caffeine in the morning. That's um, <laughs> I take it back. There's a lot of things that feel better than that, but it is pretty nice. <laughs> but I'm an iced coffee gal. I don't like mm. hot liquid. I don't know what that is, but I only drink iced coffee. Um, that's that's my vibe. Cool. Nice. Gotta know what works for you. All right. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Night owl. <laughs> I'm the one that's different so far. I have. I am also a professional musician, so there are lots of times that I'm up very, very late. Mm. But my body wakes me up at like seven in the morning, no matter what time I go to bed. Um, and I find I'm clearest, um, most productive, and most creative in those morning hours. I think it's because it's my peace and quiet time. Mm. Or because you're not addicted to caffeine. I was going to say, I wonder if there's a correlation. I wonder if there's Uh-oh. a correlation there. <laughs> you're in the, the caffeinated night owl. I feel attacked. <laughs> Something you would tell your younger self. Mm, that's a good one. Um, I would tell my younger self uh, to, to trust. Trust mm. yourself. I, I've I wasted and and still struggle with this, but I've wasted a lot of time on self-doubt. Mm. A lot of time. I've wasted a lot of time on insecurity. And a part of that is um, just my brain wiring and certain um, mental health diagnoses that make that a challenge. I have anxiety diagnosed and and that's part of the package. Um, but in more recent years, I've learned to trust myself and to listen to my gut more, which I also think there's a layer of intersectionality there that um, our society tells women not to listen to their guts mm-hmm. often. Um, and, uh, and, and it's all bullshit. So. <laughs> yeah, I think I would tell my younger self, um, every year that goes by, you're going to love yourself more. I think she needed to hear that. Yeah. Mm. Um, yeah, tying in with that, I would tell my younger self, and I uh, I do tell my younger self with the support of my wonderful therapist. Um, <laughs> you are lovable beyond all measure. Yeah. You are. You still are. Not just you yeah. yourself. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Oh, those are awesome. <laughs> Love that. All right. So I usually ask people their music therapy elevator speech, but you guys are not all music therapists and you're not only doing music therapy. So um, give me your elevator speech. 
just in general for what either I mean, you do individually I mean, or together. I'll go, I'll, I'll do mine uh, first so that y'all have time to think because I have been asked this question 5 million times. <laughs> um, so music therapy is the use of music as a therapeutic tool within a therapeutic relation relationship to accomplish non-musical goals and then i usually add a little uh thing on the end that is specific to uh them right so if i'm in a memory care setting i'll say uh your mom has aphasia and one way that we can use music to address her aphasia is singing when you're singing your speech fluidity improves and thereafter you have a, a small period of time, a window of time in which your verbal fluency outside of the music is improved as well. Mm -hmm. So that can help you connect and have meaningful conversations with her. So I'll just use like a small specific example because I think the definition itself is a little um, clinical academic and it's important, but it, it's not what the layman is usually looking for. It's, it's impersonal. Mm. You want me to go, Erin? Sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was just thinking like, you know, people always say like, what's your elevator pitch? It's like, I am Buddy the Elf vibes of pressing all of the buttons so I can just talk at length about what I'm really excited about. Um, <laughs> there you are. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I'm in relation to what I do at the Creative Dementia Collective. I normally tell people that I'm an art therapist and mental health counselor. And what that means is I help people um, utilize a lot of different forms of creative expression to tell the story of who they are or communicate what's important to them. And sometimes that's through visual art, sometimes that's through verbal storytelling, sometimes that is through photography um, or you know, airplane model building, but any type of creativity we engage in tells a part of who we are. Um, so I use the, the tools of creativity to help people tell their story. Oh, I love that. Oh my word. Um, uh, I am a dementia educator and it is my mission in life to uh, destigmatize the way we talk about dementia and empower anybody who is touched by dementia um, with not only education, but the expressive therapies, accessibility, um, and, and causing a shift in our dementia care culture. And then inevitably, inevitably, I don't think I've ever once opened my mouth and talked about what I do for a living without somebody saying, oh my goodness, my grandma has da 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 So cue personal story there mm -hmm. every single time without fail. Mm -hmm. And I, it's, and I'll be like with, you know, friends or, you know, acquaintances or whatever. And they'll be like, I can't believe that stranger just told you about like their grandfather and their <laughs> dementia and their like death experience. And I'm like, welcome to my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> every yeah, because we don't talk about single it. time. So when there's a little crack opening, people pour their experience into it because there's no spaces don't exist for people yeah. to talk about yeah. what that experience is so we give them a little tiny opening and they're like here's my life story and we're like great mm -hmm. <laughs> yay you know let's talk about it yeah 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 oh, how beautiful mm. I love that okay Ooh, you guys will like this one your favorite self-care practice I know you don't have to just pick one <laughs> Okay, so that any like nutritionists out there are just gonna like have a field day right now. But I have had a um, a practice that is ritualistic for me. It it hits all of the you know oxytocin, dopamine. It gets all all of it going. Um, I have. I can't believe I'm sharing this, but I have eaten hot Cheetos religiously since the third grade. Yes. <laughs> Mm. And um, it's very like I do it in a very routine, ritualistic kind of way. I sit on my couch, I open the bag, and I place it just so like my hand, it's within perfect reaching distance of my left hand. 
left you can hand. Use the right hand without getting Cheetos on everything. Exactly. Uh-huh. It's it's my um, skill fingers on my left hand specifically, right? So my index and my thumb. And I will roll very methodically. I will roll a single Cheeto between my hands and then I'll eat them one at a time. And I can eat exactly one third of a bag at a time. And it's something for me. I, I like, I, everyone's like laughing at me right now. And I, yeah, I will sit there. I will do it privately. I don't, I, I won't sit there and just munch on hot Cheetos like with, yeah. with people, but it is something that I have created since I was what, like nine years old as being a sacred time, a ritualistic mm-hmm. time, something that I can do in the privacy of my own experience in my own weird, quirky way and mm-hmm. experience zero shame for it. And, um, it's like a cigarette yes. ritual. It's like very what? similar. Yes. To like cigarettes. Sorry, go ahead, Katie. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I Aaron, I do something very similar. My my details are different, but um whenever I eat candy, I um divide them by color slash flavor. And then I eat them until they're in an equal amount for each color, except there's one extra for my favorite color. And then I'll eat them from least favorite to favorite in that pattern until I get to have two of my favorite at the end. And I think we all have weird ritualistic things. You make so um, much sense to me. You make so much sense, sense to me now. And Chris, my husband was like, this is so weird. Um, so anyway, just a little, I see you. Um, I want to yep. give two examples of self-care because I think uh, it's important to show a couple. Um, one of my favorite examples of like a kinetic experience, an active experience in self-care is um, I have a very long commute, uh, which is partly by choice and partly so that we can have a home that's accessible to my father. Um, and uh, during that commute, I turn up a certain playlist on my Spotify where I can belt songs at the top of my lungs and it just um the feeling of the vibration in my chest and the privacy of my windows up or if it's a really nice day my windows down but like no one can hear me because i'm on a highway like that is just so fulfilling Mm. and then another way i do self-care in a very different way is um if i'm feeling and this is partly um a a way to cope with my anxiety as well is if I'm feeling anxious and I know I have uh, some stuff coming up the next day, I like to prepare my morning for the next day. So I'll select my outfit and now I select the mask that goes with that outfit and I'll set out uh, all the things that I need to do in the morning so that I don't have to go searching for them. And I look up the weather so that my, my outfit and my jacket and everything are appropriate. And I, I just make sure that everything's clean and tidy and really within arm's reach. And it's a way for me to do something for future Kaylee. So Mm. when I wake up in the morning and I'm stressed and need to get ready to go and don't have that much time, I get to say like, oh, thanks past Kaylee. Here's my outfit. I don't even have to spend mental energy thinking about it. Here's my daily journal set out to make sure that I will do a journal entry today. Here's my my teacup all ready to go with the tea bag inside all, and the tea kettle's filled. I just have to turn it on. All those things are, are a way to care for myself in the future. Mm. Um, and it's, it, it's very rewarding when I get to be the beneficiary of Wow, look at this person just set out all these nice things for me and knows exactly what I want in my morning routine. And I don't even have to think about it. I just get to enjoy it. Wow. I feel like that's such a good example of one of those things that doesn't occur to people as being self-care. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It's just like, no, you're just planning your life. You're like, no. Yeah. No, it's such a kindness. I uh, can I put a note? So Please. I was um talking with my father about like investing and like money related things and I was like yes future me is gonna thank me for this thing that I'm doing Mm -hmm. and he goes future you I've never thought of that before like you're an adult like you've made invest he's like no but I've never thought of like future me (laughs) (laughs) my anxiety is constantly thinking about future me Um, I think, so my, I'm also going to give two examples of self-care, but for different reasons. One thing, going back to the ritualistic snack eating, um, I want, I wanted to return to that briefly, like from a therapist perspective, also to normalize for anybody that's listening and feeling like, oh my God, I do that. I thought I was the only one. Like there is, 
it is a whole sensory emotional experience to eat a particular food or a group of foods that you enjoy in a particular way, right? Mm -hmm. Like there is something, it's, it's a whole body experience, right? Like Aaron was talking about rolling the Cheeto, right? Like that's textural. You bite into a candy that's chewy, right? That's textural. There's taste, there's memory association with the smell and the flavor. There is just like, you know, we wouldn't look at a Japanese tea ceremony and be like, oh my gosh, what, like, what are they doing? Just, you know, like ritually yeah. drinking their tea, like weirdos. Absolutely not. Right. There's this whole ceremony that goes with it because it's an experience. And like, yeah, my experience is cheese balls, but like, it is still this event for myself that is really wonderful and pleasurable. And I think, you know, Kaylee, you had mentioned numbing earlier in the episode. And one kind of caveat I want to give to that or an asterisk is numbing is a tool and we pathologize the shit out of it in our culture. And everything you see on social media related to self-care is it, it really kind of heavy handedly gives this message that in order to take care of ourselves correctly or well, we need to like feel our deepest feelings or be this like Zen whitewashed, you know, yoga vibe. And no, we have the ability to numb for a reason. If it becomes excessive or you are numbing more than feeling, then that maybe that's something to look into and explore why that's happening. But it, I see it as a huge gift that we have the ability to detach from certain feelings or experiences when we want to, right? And so yeah. I don't think, you know, for myself, and I, I'm i saying this very, like, assertively, but this <laughs> this is something that I've worked on for a very long time in my own personal therapy and, and talked to my individual clients about too, but that there is power in being able to detach for a minute. And, you know, I love a bowl of cheese balls and a, you know, parks and rec moment for myself when I need to just disconnect from my brainstem for a minute. Mm -hmm. um, and then on my kind of embodiment, um, deep soul nourishing self care, I am such a water baby. I'm a mermaid. I, if I could live underwater full time, I absolutely would. And one of my favorite self cares in Seattle, where, where we're located is to go down to the dock, um, at the end of a long work day in our summers, it, the sun doesn't set here until like after 9 p.m. And so I finish with my clients at 8.30 p.m. And I drive down to the lake and I jump in the lake at night during dusk sunset and then drive myself home. Um, and that is a great way for me to kind of reset my nervous system and wash off whatever I'm holding on to from the day. So that's my favorite summertime self-care. Love that. And we're getting into summer, so that can, that can happen more yeah. now. Hopefully it's warm mm -hmm. enough where you guys are. Yeah, it's getting there. Getting there. <laughs> All right, two more. Three more. I lied. Three more. <laughs> Something that's currently adding value to your life. Um, I started couples therapy. Yeah. I'm out of the closet, of the couples therapy closet. Let's yes. Yes. Tell them. People think it's such a dirty thing and shameful and you, you must have such a toxic or unhealthy dynamic to start couples therapy. But mm -hmm. honestly, um, it was an intentional choice of, of us understanding that um, we, my husband and I are, are going to go from um, in the span of a year because we did adopt a dog during pandemic. We were one of those couples. In the span of a year, we will go have gone from um, just the two of us to caring for an animal, um, to caring for a human. And those are huge transitions, mm. um, huge, huge transitions. And it is important to us um, to prioritize our relationship and to set time aside to make sure that we're not going to just be care partners together or just be good teammates or just be good heads of household together. Um, but to also still be husband and wife. Mm. Um, so that has added a tremendous amount of value um, and allowed a, a specific intentional time and space for that. Yeah. Yes. Thank you for saying that. Oh. Oh, you're welcome. Oh. <laughs> also, I'll, I'll say you shouldn't wait until things are toxic to go to couples therapy. Then Thank you. Oh, can yes. I get an amen? Can I get yes. a Name and, you know, and that's no judgment <laughs> if like you've gotten to that point and now you realize there's a yeah problem. no but, like, totally you know totally. You're, you're you're being proactive and that's mm -hmm. uh, commendable yeah yeah 
that that is adding value to my life right now. Good. Um, this is Aaron. What's adding value to my life right now? Um, before the pandemic, I had um, I had joined a salsa studio, and I was dancing there for about a year, um, and then everything closed down. Um, and of course, you know that's a pretty high contact activity, so you know we couldn't be partner dancing. So the studio closed down, um, and I've just recently. Um, you know, people are vaccinated, restrictions are changing and lifting. So the studio is able to open back up. Um, so I reinstated my um, salsa team membership. And for me, um, it checks so many boxes. And I guess this could also fall into the self-care category as well. But it checks a box of something that um, I do just for myself. You know, I go alone. Um, it is creative expression for me. You know, I have a full dance background. Um, however, I haven't, I'm not really trained in any kind of partner dancing. So it's also learning something new. Um, it gets me in my body and out of my head. Um, and it creates uh, um, access to community, you know, which I don't know, Seattle, that can be a little bit tough. But, um, and then I think the most important thing, especially as we're kind of reemerging from this year is um, having opportunities for consensual touch between other yeah. humans. Um, it's one environment where there's just, you know, there's an etiquette to it where I can feel safe um, to touch and be touched by other people and not feel um, threatened, particularly, you know, as a woman. And um, so that creates great value for me, just in being able to be with other people um, do my body and my heart a kindness. I always have to like massage my cheeks when I leave my dance practice because I'll literally <laughs> people like Aaron. Seriously, you just will smile for like two hours straight. So that um, being able to return to that is bringing me a great amount of joy yeah. and value. Mm. I think um, well, right now um, gardening is adding a huge value to my life. I have a wonderful backyard where I live and um, gardening season is always so restorative for me. And there's something so beautiful about, you know, putting my hands in the dirt and just, you know, I always have like my headphones on listening to a podcast um, in the garden for hours. And um, I, you know, there's research on how, you know, keeping our, putting our hands in dirt actually has, you know, impacts on our, on our emotions and our sense of place. And Erin can talk all about that. We're being in horticultural therapy, but that's, you know, it's gardening season. And this year, um, I'm really excited. I'm growing snap peas and tomatoes and squash and beets. And I am like, I describe myself as like, a very like sexy pioneer grandma. Um, <laughs> mm. I love at the end of the season, like canning, jamming, preserving. Pre you know, I live in the city. I live in Seattle, but like you look, you look in my root cell. It is a homestead, you know. And I just I find that so restorative to connect to that like old school way of you know being in relationship to our food. And I just I don't know. I get such a kick out of it. Mm. <laughs> All right. Um, your favorite intervention or song to use in a session? That's usually what I ask, but you can ask, you can talk about like one of your favorite experiences or things that you bring uh, when you're working with, with clients. I love name that tune. Ooh. Oh my gosh. Um, I think there are some, uh, some groups of people who find it um, kind of kitschy or, you know, not, not as, not as valuable inherently than uh, let's say expressive improvisation or songwriting or, and, and I love those things too. And I, I make space in my practice for those things too, but name that tune for me gets right at the heart of the actual work mm. in this population, because we're working on uh, strengthening these neural pathways of connection and memory, mm. right? And we're using music as our tool. Music is associating those neural pathways. So if I play you a melody, you have to do the work in your mind of, I know that melody, what are the words? Those are the words, which words are the title? 
here's the name of the tune. It's a lot of steps, but it comes more quickly than a lot of other tasks that we're asking of, uh, of people living with dementia. And then so often, so often in my name that tune groups, um, it'll because we're doing that neural pathway memory retrieval exercise, they're also having other memories that are coming up for them and are associated with the music. And because we're working on that muscle, it's already firing. And so I'll, I'll sing a certain song and they'll say, I met my husband when that song was playing. And um, this is true. I met my husband while that song was playing. This is a, a story a real client told me. Um, she is Mexican and he is Indian. And they were at a dance together in LA and they were sat together because they thought that he was Hispanic <laughs> and he was not. <laughs> and they ended up speaking to each other both in their second language of English. And when, by the time the song Moon River came on, they had already really engaged in some deep conversation and really connected with each other, both feeling like the other in that setting. And that's when they decided to get up and dance. And she said, she will tell you that is when she fell in love with her husband. Oh, no, stop. That's amazing. Wow. Right? Just from like, la, 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 name that too. Right? It's usually the first thing that comes that one. It's like, that one's a really good one. I just can't help yourself. I love it. Okay, that, one, that one's mine. Um, I think one of my uh, favorite approaches um, or activities to do via art therapy is um, collage. And collage and dementia is such a great fit because oftentimes, well, okay, I hope your listeners are like on a road trip for our episode. I feel like <laughs> I'll probably break it up into a few. So don't you worry about great. it. Great. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, but, you know, kind of one piece of it is we have such internalized um, ideas of our own creativity and they normally get instilled in childhood, especially the older generation we're working with now. Um, yeah, it is astonishing how many people say, I'm not an artist. Oh, I got bad grades in art class in school. Um, I'm sure as music therapists, you hear that. Oh, I'm not a music. I can't carry a tune to save my life. You know, mm -hmm. my grandma Roz always said, I can't, I couldn't carry a tune in a bucket. Um, and that is very similar with art therapy. Everyone discounts their own creativity and collage takes away so many of the barriers that people feel when they need to create, you know, or draw from their own experience or get their motor skills to do something that they're not sure they can do. Um, and also as like Kaylee was saying, right, that recognition, the neural pathways that start firing when you see images that connect to senses or places or feelings um, or symbols, right? That's like, you know, basic human communication through symbols, um, it can be a really, really powerful way for people to communicate. And there's one time that was just my favorite. This is if anybody has worked in a long term care setting, I'm sure you've experienced something like this. But one of the funniest art therapy moments I think I've ever had was I was doing a collage um, directive with a group. And we were all sitting around the table and I had the whole center of the table was filled with magazine images um, that I had cut out and stickers. And they spent their time, you know, the hour or whatever doing their collages. And then at the end, I usually go around and take a look at everyone's artwork, ask them questions, ask if it's okay to hold it up and show it to the group. And I showed up um, and looked at this one woman's collage and it was a lot of like birds from National Geographic and then a vintage Polaroid photo of a man in front of a car. And I was like, who is this person? And she was like, I don't know. I just found it in the magazine. And I was like, I definitely didn't cut that out of the magazine. So I'm not sure where that came from. Well, she had accidentally taken the photo of a different resident's ex-husband from, <laughs> from like, uh, whenever, you know, with dementia, it's very common, you empty your purse out on a table oh, and yeah. organize and put things back. And so at the table, at some point, that old Polaroid of her ex-husband ended up in the hands of her neighbor resident that was then put onto this beautiful collage of exotic birds from National Geographic. Wow. And it was just one of those brilliant dementia moments where it was just 
just you couldn't describe a more perfect expressive moment there um and so you know we had a whole conversation about it and you know she had this whole association with this man in front of the car of what it meant to her not knowing it actually belonged to someone else um but yeah she like really had this connected moment to what this uh you know road trip photograph meant to her even though it wasn't her photo and I think that's a really you know that's like the epitome of collage right as we add meaning onto an image that already exists um with our own personal spin so yeah. memes yes so uh, memes so memes. Uh, so memes. Always, always with me Coming did I get that right <laughs> you got it yes oh my gosh this is amazing um well done <laughs> Um, I, it's so funny. I, you know, as a non music therapist and non art therapist, I've learned so much from both of these, these women and having been trained by them previously, you know, how to, how the layman can, um, can use music and art therapy as well, making that accessible. They're masterful at that. Um, so yeah, I would have said one of those practices for myself, but I think I have a, um, a personal superpower that many people thought was a kind of a character flaw of mine for a long time. And that um, growing up, everyone's like, God, Aaron, you are a boy crazy. You are a flirt. And that was always something that, you know, the messaging I got was to get that under control. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and when I started working in a long-term care setting with older adults, I found that um, I could kind of reframe it from being flirty to being like engaging and charming and making people feel special mm -hmm. and needed and wanted. And it finally, I finally was like, yes, I found my setting where this piece of me really actually helps other people thrive and feel loved and feel, um, you know, that, that, I don't know, JL, you might have terminology for this, but that piece of humanity that piece of people that um they still want to be desired and they still want yeah. to be flirted with yeah um desirability yeah it's still a very real thing so i i think that's one of my one of my gifts and being able to engage with people um you know and you know and the, of course there's just like basic skills that you can weave into that right you know offering choice asking for help you know keeping things kind of short anyway there's there's skill-based ways you can you can um, approach people that make them feel needed and wanted um, but but you know I, I have this um, I used to have this this one resident and he was just like Mr. Grumpy Pants like such a grump nobody could get him to do anything except I would come to the room and all I had to do was kind of stand there make eyes with him you know give him a little wink and then all of a sudden this guy was just like completely disarmed and I could extend my hand. He would extend his hand back. He would give me that permission to enter his personal space and we could just sit there and we could hug and hold each other and I could engage him in a dance. And all of a sudden, before you know it, we've gotten Mr. Grumpy Pants up who's been sitting in the same place, unwilling to budge. And he is dancing with me, moving his body all across the room to go get that drink of water that he hasn't had in like five hours. And then we're going to dance and waltz over to the, to the restroom and we're going to support him there. We're going to get all these needs met because he is just in, you know, he could have danced all night. Like he is in this <laughs> moment. And, um, and, you know, that was always something people were like, how, gosh, how do you, you know, how can you get people, you know, engaged like that? I'm like, well, you know, we're dancing together and we're connecting with each other and we're, you know, having this kind of sweet, tender moment. We're not toileting him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So oh, I love that, Erin. Yeah. Yeah. All right. The last question is, where can the listeners find you and connect with you? you can find us uh we're on the social medias uh we're at creative dementia collective um yeah like and follow subscribe you know check out our reels those are fun um <laughs> and uh our website is creativedementiacollective.com um you can you know definitely reach out we'd love to connect with anybody for you know a free consultation to see if um you know, what, what we create with our engagement plans would be a good fit for you and your, your community of folks touched by dementia. Um, and did I miss anything though? 
Um, I would also extend that invitation not only to people who are touched by dementia, whether they're living with, with it themselves or caring for somebody, mm. but also just people who, you know, maybe you're a caregiver, maybe uh, a care partner, maybe you are um, just interested in learning about self-care. I think mm -hmm. a lot of the topics in our webinar series are accessible to any type of folks who for might sure. be interested in learning about self-care strategies or um you know, how to use art uh, and, and elements of, of art or music um, just in their, in their daily lives. Um, I yeah. think, I think it's, uh, it's also just, you know, a great, a great place to find community, mm -hmm. a great place to find other like-minded people um, who believe in uh, a whole person approach and uh, believe in preserving the dignity and identity and expressiveness uh, and whole complexity of people all the way through their end of end of lives because you know whether or not you end up diagnosed with dementia or caring for somebody who is um we're all we're all on this planet for a limited time uh my i heard someone say once uh that i thought was really funny um you know everyone knows everybody dies but we all think there's one exception like mm -hmm. everyone's gonna die except for me um and 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 if you're if you're interested in conversations about tough topics like death and dying, like death and dying with dignity, mm -hmm. like um, connection, confusion, um, how to give somebody dignity when they've lost uh, their continence yet, or lost their language skills, um, or you know, saying or doing bizarre things. I think those are uh, deeply, deeply human. And whether or not um, you end up touched by dementia in your life, uh, we're all going to get older. We're all going to need help. And I think the more people engage in conversations about um, how to do so gracefully and how to help the ones that they love uh, on that path and shepherd that path in a, in a beautiful way, uh, the better it is for, for us as a whole. Yeah, I think, you know, um, we really are passionate about connecting with people um, in so many intersecting ways. And I think we've talked, you know, in this podcast episode um, about some of those ways, but we're just really passionate about um, all of the ways that dementia intersects with all of these other issues. And we know how much labor and work ha is being done by people all around the world on, on elements where dementia intersects. And so if you are connected with, you know, um, disability advocacy, if you're pushing back on ableism and finding ways to educate people about that, if you're talking about feminism, especially, um, you know, like uh, the feminism intersecting with women of color and labor jobs and um, unions and all of these ways that dementia, the disease and the symptoms themselves, but also the industry and the systems that are involved in caring for people living with dementia, uh, we would love to connect with you and, um, you know, support work that other people are doing and see if we can support from our perspective as well. Awesome. Well, I'll have uh, everything linked below so people can watch your reels, uh, meet Delphine. <laughs> and <laughs> oh, Lord. They can find you, they can, they can connect with you and uh, learn. You, you all have so so much to share and I want to thank you for making the time to talk with me a lot of time to talk with me and share with the listeners and um yeah be such um such beacons of light and forward thinkers in the industry industry is not the word I want to use but thank you for all the hard work you're doing it's awesome to thank you to Trisha and uh when you were talking before about like uh, hearing our passion and wanting to jump in. If you want to start our East Coast location, oh, there you go. It, like Trisha's, <laughs> Trisha's the founder of the East Coast Creative Dementia Collective now. <laughs> I just started another business in COVID. You know, I'm just like yeah. just <laughs> them in. stack them on. Just stack them on. <laughs> awesome. Thank, Thank you so you. much for having us. Thank you. It's Thank really you. been Thank such you. a fun conversation. You're such an engaging host, and. Um, oh. I, I've loved listening to your podcast and just how you create space for people to open up and share things and yeah. in a really authentic uh, conversational way. So just, we appreciate you uh, using your voice in this space and having us on to, to be a part of it. Thank you. I, yeah, yeah go ahead, Jail. No, I was just saying, yeah. 
yeah yeah mutual mutual appreciation but i'll let you guys enjoy your weekend enjoy your saturday you as well yeah thanks so much Thank you so much for tuning in to today's episode. I hope you have now listened to parts one, two, and three of this conversation. Uh, This was such an amazing interview. We could have talked for even longer, I'm sure. Um, But I really enjoyed getting to meet these ladies and hear about their passions and how multifaceted they are in their work. And uh, I look forward to, to seeing what they accomplish. Um, Truly an inspiring one. So I hope you're you're feeling that too after listening to these, uh, even if, and maybe especially if you don't even work with um, people with dementia, because uh, as the stats were mentioned, I think it's one in five families, was it, is currently touched by um, dementia, and it'll be as little as one in two families in, you know, so many years. Um, I think those stats were somewhere in, in one of these episodes. So, yeah, this is an important conversation for just anyone. Um, so maybe consider sharing uh, one, two, or th- all three of these episodes with anyone in your life who could benefit from a dementia care um, conversation. So yeah, uh, again, I'll be taking the month of August off, get ready for some re-release episodes and some uh, audio that might seem a little odd <laughs> in case it's from like two years ago. Um, and, but you can stay uh, more up to, up to date more currently on social media at Music Therapy Chronicles. You can join our group on Facebook and start or join a conversation there about any of the episode content. And if you want CMTEs for listening to the show, you can find our pod courses over at mtpodcastcollective.com. Um, Music Therapy Chronicles has two pod courses listed over there, but there are seven pod courses in total to choose from, each with different topics. So definitely check out, see um, if there's anything you're interested in over there. Um, also, you can support us by becoming a patron on patreon.com. And if you or someone you know is interested in being on the show, please reach out to me at hello at musictherapychronicles.com. And of course, I need to leave you with a self-care quote. There are so many good ones, but today I chose to go with, you have two homes, earth and your body. Take care of them. <laughs> <laughs>